Hi there, this is Spiritual Capital, and I'm Craig Matson. This podcast has always inhabited an uncanny in-between space. I mean, it's not really popular spiritual discourse, yoga, meditation, green smoothies, that sort of thing. Nor is it conventional economic discourse. It's sort of in-between. I'm an academic, so I'm accustomed to being in-between things. Maybe you are too, in your sector. In fact, it's pretty essential to the human condition that we're always between and among. But this podcast arose out of the work of academic inquiry. I was investigating the role of spirituality in organizational life today. And so I went to these business leaders in that kind of uncanny in-between sector known as social entrepreneurship. And I talked to some 40, 45 leaders in this space. And I've talked to many other leaders just in this podcast itself. And what I've found is that academic research is a, a welcome companion to social entrepreneurship. I've often felt the hospitality of social business persons, social bankers, social entrepreneurs of every, every stripe. But it's also an uncomfortable truth that academic inquiry has been guilty at times of appropriating, even in fraudulent ways, the insights, the wisdom, the findings, the inventions, the developments of neighborhood associations, community-based organizations, which are often led by people of color. So this is sometimes referred to as white theft, and it has a different sort of resonance, a different sort of presence in different sectors. But today, I've invited uh, Diamon Harjis to come on uh, the podcast to talk with me about how different sectors attempt partnerships between predominantly white organizations and organizations of color without falling into theft. I guess the thing I most appreciate about Diamond, besides the fact that he's now my co-researcher on this new project, the thing I most appreciate about him is that he maintains a really nice dialectic between critique and hope. So I want to start our conversation with a very quick story. A few years ago, I guess it was just a couple of years ago, I was nearing the end of a research project, or I thought I was nearing the end of a research project. Thought I was done, but I went to a conference, uh, SOCAP actually, and there I met you, Diamon, and I found out I wasn't done with my research. Because you said something at this conference in the course of our conversation that I didn't have categories to explain. And what you said to me was, uh, we move millions of dollars in my neighborhood. So now I've had a chance to visit your neighborhood. And it, it didn't then seem like a neighborhood that would move millions of dollars. And I think even today, if I were driving through it, I would still say, what are you talking about? Diamond. <laughs> so I wonder, what are you talking about when you talk about moving millions of dollars in your neighborhood? You know, when we met, I was the one of the things that um, that struck me is that uh, what makes money move is relationships hmm. in other currencies too. So people have to trust people, and um, hmm. and so what we had several years ago, we 
we embarked out on the journey to see um, first really looking at what do people contribute besides money and mm -hmm. there were lots of things that people contribute and there were like all these gifts and talents but later on um we started you know we we learned that we had to do something with stories about this because people wouldn't believe it you know like you <laughs> you ride through and you wouldn't think all of the great things that happened we, we started to dig deeper and and asking ourselves what does actually help people uh, make income mm. and, and build wealth? And we talked about the types of relationships that ended up happening. And we discovered this accidentally at a party we were mm. having. And we, we love to share out all the things that people don't see. And so we invited, uh, I noticed that I had a lot of social networks that was deeper than just my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, and I, but I, what I didn't realize is how how close to change it was bringing them into the forefront. So, but I just thought good people should be around good people. And mm -hmm. when the parties, the president of the Central Indiana Community Foundation was there. And then we brought another friend that was a young billionaire. And then all of these groups of people started to meet each other. After that party, um, I, we started hearing little stories about people making money because through the people they met. And not just a very regular wage, but they they were valued at what they thought they should be valued at in a surprising way. So, hmm. Hmm. so it, anyway, so that's what we learned. And after that, shortly after that, we started to ask how much money is in the neighborhood. And hmm. so we didn't go out and directly say, how much money do you have? But we fished around and asked people how much money they give away. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. yeah cousins and we started asking you know what do you put who do you spend money with <laughs> you know and we yeah. started to learn those things and then then we started in, injecting relationships into those groups of folks and we started to see money start to to circulate in a different way uh-huh by the way i should ask you for what's the best way to refer to your neighborhood um it's it's called united northwest neighborhood so after talking with you i had to kind of go back to the drawing board and look at my data again and ask what is what was it that i was missing and what was it that was hidden or inconspicuous and then the harder question was like why why was that you know difficult for me to see what what was going on there and so i conceptualized this concept of spiritual capital which I came to think that it's a capacity to see what's hidden. Mm. It's a way of paying attention that enables you to see the latent goods or what you call the currencies that are moving in a neighborhood or a community or a workplace. So um, the maybe the tougher question though is why do we have to develop spiritual capital? Why do we have to practice this kind of attention? What is it that keeps us from seeing? Um, these really wonderful gifts that are moving in a in a community. Yeah, and I think that race plays a role in that. I wonder if you could sort of off the top of your head talk about um, how you think that race and maybe sort of economic class might be disabling us or some of us from seeing what we need to see. Yeah, I think race is a big part of it in our 
in our country, but also I think it's the way we structure how we see each other as mm. uh, neighbors. Mm. You know, so there's uh, some high level system stuff. And then there are some very simple practices that we can do. Race and class is definitely a, um, a part of a big systemic construct, right? And um, we see it play out in um, various parts of our countries and in policies around how money is, is distributed. I was on a call just recently with the bank wanting to do some refinance um, with a community near us. The, the simple answer was like, we got to find out who wants to be involved with the banks, right? And what people, who should we be having that conversation with? But then there is this, I, th I think it's class, but I think it's really connected to how we learn together. Hmm. Uh, currently our, our learning structure um, supports classes. And if we can find the ways to learn that everybody's gifts and things matter, right? Mm -hmm. So we use the word blue collar. Mm -hmm. Instead of utilizing the word that people enjoy doing things with their hands, <laughs> you know? So that stops us from being able to see something a little bit more. Yeah. Too. And I think really our, our main goal is really how do we get the institutions that help control that policy mm. to come up with at least the question, how do they become good neighbors with one another? Mm -hmm. I, I love the way you're moving between the sort of macro and the micro. Like there are big structures, like the way we do finance in this country that disable us from seeing the, the hidden goods of a neighborhood or a workplace. But then there are also like everyday practices of, and you just named like the ways we talk, um, like we call them, um, you know, blue collar in, instead of saying they get real joy out of doing stuff with their hands. That's a very different way of talking, but it would enable us to see differently too. So you and I are starting some research together. Um, and this is partly a, like a, a, an efficiency move on my part so that I don't do a year of research and think I'm done and then realize, <laughs> oh, actually I have some more to do. I'm just going to start off working with you. All right. Well, I'm also su super honored to embark on this little learning journey <laughs> for us, but um, I'm excited. Uh, this research is really looking at uh, some of the systemic pieces of how currency is seen and utilized and, and how might institutions play a part at helping and open the door for people who normally aren't seen as contributors in this country yeah. to be valued in a way. So um, so I'm interested in seeing um, like our journeys of who we might talk to yeah. uh, across the sectors of uh, uh, philanthropy. Education. Education. Uh, like corporate governmental hey, institutions we're discovering I mean, we're just at the beginning of this right right and, but i'm excited to hear not just to see what isn't working to figure out what is working mm -hmm. and what works what what small practices also are working in within institutions are that are doing mm -hmm. and what ways can we find ways to celebrate those and lift those up as new models yeah I'm really drawn to that sort of double focus there of like what's not working and what is working. One of those, both of them are essential, right? We need to critique, but we also need to talk about um, what's alive and well and um, what could be animated and circulated a bit more. 
um, because it is going so well. Yeah, I think this is important too, because I think you and I are developing our own practices of learning, right? together. And I think what we might learn and how we might learn it will influence. Maybe maybe people might never thought of the stuff that might come out. It's right in front of our face. So we're just going to uncover what's already there. Yeah. I've noticed your favorite word is learning. <laughs> you use that word, I think, like every other sentence. It's such an important word. So we have, uh, we've done some whiteboarding and some, we've filled out an IRB application and it was approved. Thanks, B. And so we're off and running. Cheryl Dahl of the Illinois Institute of Technology gave us a little bit of a leg up by identifying some common problems or obstructions for partnership between and among predominantly white institutions and then these um, neighborhood organizations or associations, um, the sort of grassroots work that's going on so wonderfully, often led by black and brown folk. Um, so yeah, I wonder if we could take just a couple of minutes and I kind of name some of those obstructions and problems that that show up. Yeah, yeah. One, um, I really like the idea we're starting with those was power, place, theft. The question of power between you know uh, an established um, a white institution and then an established. Um, minority-led community organization. It, the question is like, how do we share power um, yeah. without sort of some, especially the, the predominantly white institution taking over or colonizing the project? Um, how do we share power and uh, give agency to groups of people who really are on the ground? They should be the deciders. They have the stakes. Um, how, that's, a, that's a tough question. Because on the one hand, the predominantly white institutions are like, well, this is a serious amount of resource that we're investing here. It feels like we're taking some risk. And, and then on the other hand, you have community-based organizations who are like, well, you are taking a lot, of, you're taking some risk, but this affects the way we're going to live. And this shapes our, our existence. So we really need to have a say in this. And sort of figuring out how to share power is it and you know the the key word is share and if you think about it place that would be a similar thing how do we share when we talk about uh leadership was the other one right we talked a little bit about well what do we mean when we mean leadership right mm -hmm. can people share leadership the other thing was uh theft right theft is really the opposite of i think the real answer is like how do we share what people contribute mm -hmm. How do we invest not just in one group of contribution, but others, right? And so theft usually happens because we're not willing to invest. Hmm. We want to own the idea, <laughs> right? Talking about theft in this context where it seems like you have well-intentioned projects, you have well-intentioned people, it's, it's kind of stunning to me that we have to use a word like theft. What are we talking about? Like what, What's happening? What we advertise publicly in mm -hmm. this community is there like the idea of being a blue collar and a white collar worker? you know one is seen to give more of a glorious title but then you have people in that name that way that are offering more than just their blue collar right they're inventing things and oftentimes because they're not seen as this this class that the stuff that they invent often get take, taken or overshadowed or never discovered at all yeah i mean i've i've read about 
um, and heard about ideas that come from, say, the the Black activist communities um, that have been so important in this last year. And then they're sort of absorbed without giving due credit by white institutions. I'm an academic, so like this is often done by universities. Um, so that that kind of appropriation of ideas that really are traceable to um, and were invented and developed by communities of color. That's that's a, a really alarming kind of theft, and it's it's alarming because it's more common than than is yeah easy to admit. Right. Yeah. Painful. And some of our esteemed education institutions and faith institutions too, but education institutions have probably been bit more in that category you just described. It's hard to admit. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we have been talking excitedly together. We've been meeting, Diamond's in Indianapolis, obviously, and I'm in Chicago. We've been meeting sort of in one city or the other and, and um, or a suburb thereof and doing some whiteboarding and some writing and some just the beginnings of this research. But we wanted to kind of talk th- through this in a little bit of a broader public way. Um, and uh, we're really grateful that you listened into this conversation. Yeah, and we'd be interested in hearing um, or engaging in any one that wanted to have conversations with us. And Most definitely. I'm so grateful to have been joined today by Diamond Harjis. He's one of the founders of the organization, The Learning Tree, but I think he's involved in so many projects that that's probably just a, a very narrow descriptor of what he's actually doing. I'm uh, grateful to be a co-researcher with him on a project exploring how uh, predominantly white organizations and institutions can partner more responsibly, can share power with organizations led by black and brown citizens, often at the neighborhood level. In order to see the resources that move, the stories and other kinds of currency that circulate in neighborhoods and communities, well, you have to have what I call spiritual capital, which is the capability to recognize and to help move into broader circulation the already present but latent gifts that are moving in a community, a neighborhood, a workplace. That spiritual capital is discussed in full in my recently published book, Why Spiritual Capital Matters. You can purchase that on the publisher's website, Width and Stock, or I recommend the social entrepreneurial website, betterworldbooks.com. You can, of course, purchase it on Amazon, but hey, go to some site like betterworldbooks.com and and uh, do some good in the world. My name's Craig Matson, and I invite you to join me for Spiritual Capital when it comes into your feed next week. <music>